Hi there, ladies and gents. It's uh, Dan from Adventure More UK, and welcome to another episode of my new podcast. Uh, today's special guest is a sports scientist, adventurer, and world record holder. It's Miss Kaz Lander. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. Um, obviously, it's I, I followed you on social media for a little bit, and, and obviously I, I became aware of you uh, on some of your adventures that we'll speak about. In a bit and a little bit of time um first of all i just want to talk about like was that adventure was it something you always wanted to do since you were like you, you were little or is it um, something that's just grown upon you yeah i think growing up i was i was one of those kids that was really sporty um i was probably a jack of all trades master of none so i played everything yeah. and at school i was on every sports team and all my spare time i was playing sports and doing everything but i wasn't um I didn't really have a sport, um, but I did spend a lot of time on the water. So I worked as a water sports instructor. Yeah. Kind of my school holidays. I started volunteering at my local water sports centre when I was about 12 or 13 in my summer holidays. Um, they then trained me up. And I think kind of through, through water sports, probably actually, I kind of got um, insight really into a bit of adventuring. So um, Duke of Edinburgh, um, most yep, people yep. do their walking, do their bronze, silver, gold walking. Um, we were fortunate yep. that we were actually able to do ours canoeing. Um, and okay. that just happened that it was the, my school, the um, centre, I guess, that ran um, Duke of Edinburgh for my school. They were water sports instructors. Um, and so I think from then, we, that was kind of when I got my first insight into, you know, doing kind of like a multi-day um adventure i guess kind of by yourself but yeah which wasn't walking um and i think yeah from i think that kind of sparked a interest in me when i was kind of 14 15 and it kind yeah. of just grew from there um yeah yeah that's pretty cool like um like personally for myself like i <laughs> You're probably going to not like me for this, but I don't like water at all. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase. I, I like swimming. Yeah. I like swimming. Uh, I used to like kayaking and, and canoeing. Yeah. But I've kind of got into the rock climbing side of it and okay. things like that. Like I prefer rock climbing. And, yeah. You know, I but, um, yeah, kayaking, canoeing, it's not something I do, but I do know a lot of people who do do it. Like, uh, um, my previous job is working in outdoor education centres like okay. I'm sure you I'm sure you did you ever go to one as a kid when you were at school yeah, like you go off in, to go um, like a, a residential yeah 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 so I, I used to work for some of the well probably one of the biggest companies in, in the world if, if yeah um, and it's something I've done for a long time now yeah. for like nearly 10 years and that's something I feel like when you're a kid like most most kids are, are quite adventurous nowadays obviously yeah. We, we live in a generation now with computer games and stuff like that. Um, like, do you, do you feel like, like we have a lot, that generation of like children who kind of, a lot of people just play on computer games and, you know, it's trying hard to kind of encourage them to get out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day and, um, yeah. I've got an Xbox just to, I, I don't play any games in it. I just have it as a DVD player, yeah. really. And um, yeah. it takes me about 10 minutes to work out. And I was laughing, saying, you know, I, I need a kid here to um, like show me how to how to use an yeah, Xbox. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think, yeah, I definitely see less kids out in the countryside but kind of just doing activities. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I was always outside, you know. Yeah, same. In the same. woods, Absolutely. cycling, doing everything. Um, but, yeah, I guess technology has advanced in the last 20 years or so so much yeah yeah absolutely it's, it's easier isn't it to sit on a sofa now and yeah know, it is it is. your friends and play games it is yeah it's something that i'm trying to so my, my niece is she was eight actually the other day yeah um and honestly she, some of the stuff she does like she she's so clever on technology yeah. but i feel like i don't i don't i try not to you know i always said to my brother try not to let her go too much like i like what's like well, I can't figure the word, but like it's good in, you know, like if you go on for a little bit of time, yeah, small doses. But then take your time, small doses, yeah, like just just do it for a little bit of time, and then like because otherwise she's just gonna get like in, engulfed in technology, in, yeah. in, in, not in not technology, but in computer games and just sat in yeah. the house. 
No, I, um, I find myself constantly on on my phone, and mm. that was actually um, I'm sure we'll get to this conversation, but um, when I did the big row, it was one of the yeah. biggest joys of it was not having communication for two months, and, um, yeah, and yeah. I found it I found it really hard actually when I came off the off that adventure, getting back into kind of texting and because I was so used to not doing it and I didn't yeah. I didn't realize kind of how much like how much of my life is consumed by just grabbing my phone and scrolling through like scrolling through Facebook and scrolling through BBC yeah, news yeah. and all those different apps that just it, it's a waste of time really isn't it but yeah I'm, yeah I'm addicted to my phone which is terrible yeah <laughs> It it is terrible. I, I I'm I, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna patronise or anything. Cause I'm <laughs> the same. I'm exactly the same. Like I, I I say this a lot, but don't get me wrong. Like social media has quite a lot of good sort of yeah. aspects of it. There's a lot of good aspects. Obviously, if you want to promote businesses or promote things like obviously like promote this podcast, for instance. Um, but as you say, there's a lot of people who will go off Facebook or whatever it may be just to sort of like make sure their life's in order not in order but they'll take things off facebook and believe that to be 100 yeah. percent. no matter what it is yeah um you know and that's something i i feel like it, it's a quite a it's quite bad sometimes like I, I don't get me wrong i use facebook just for you know putting pushing things out to do with business uh opportunities or business ideas and you know just what i've been up to you know i, I hate i don't know about you but i've we all we all have those friends who post everything yeah absolutely everything and i'm just like i don't care what you had for your tea <laughs> i literally don't care like it's 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 you know it's not relevant but you know if you was going to tell me that you've been on like you've been walking today or you've done this done that or for me like i, I do a lot of work with mental health that's what yeah. a lot of this podcast is about like i talk about mental health a bit and how adventure and sport particularly as well yeah. can help with that kind of aspect especially now yeah you know what we're doing at the moment you know the con you know the current situation yeah. we're in at the moment with covid um and i feel that's something i want to come to slightly in, in a minute um about how do you because i know you come from a sports science sort of background yeah do you do you ever get involved or like understandings of like how I know it's a bit different it's but like sports psychology more more mm. but do you ever get an understanding of how sports in general i like say outdoor adventures and stuff can help with mental health do you ever get involved with that side of it um yeah i mean i'm not a sports psychologist <laughs> at all yeah. um but a lot of the work that i did working um at the institute of sport i worked in the athlete health department and a lot of that yeah. was around mental health and um a lot of the messaging and things around mental health and i mean i've i've got friends that suffer with anxiety depression etc cetera, etc cetera, hundreds of people do but i know that as soon as they get out in the countryside for a walk straight away they yeah. all say oh i feel so much better um yeah yeah so yeah i, I think the benefits of getting outdoors and i, mean, I know yeah. when i you know sometimes everyone has those days you know when you wake up and you don't feel like doing anything and absolutely, those are the days when absolutely. I kind of force myself to go for a walk up to the woods or take the dogs out to the fields and have yeah. a run around. And it, yeah, the impact on like my mental well-being is massive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, it, I, I I use going out, getting outdoors, and adventuring massively for my mental health. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's I I do feel like it's really important. As I say, like what what uh, the times are in at the moment. Obviously, we're kind of a lot of it we you know we're kind of locked inside our own homes like yeah. it's it's not very it's not ideal and and for a lot of people who use that people use like sport and and, yeah. and the outdoors and stuff for their coping methods so i know it's been a bit of a shock to the system yeah we've been it been basically told that we have to stay inside yeah. <laughs> unless it's like an absolute emergency or yeah or going to work obviously if you have to go to work you know outside you can't work from home yeah so yeah it, it's it's not 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 ideal but um I just want to go back a little bit on. I know you don't. You say you don't do sports science so much anymore, mm -hmm. but what what's actually uh, generally involved? I have a good understand, a, a relatively good understanding. But for people who, for basic terms, what what does it involve? Yeah. So, um, so I spent seven years working as a sports scientist um, with the British Olympic and Paralympic teams, 
Um, I okay. guess sports science covers a massive um, range of things. So you have people who work as biomechanists, people who work as performance analysts, um, your psychologists, uh, yep. physiologists, broad, broad spectrum, people specialise. Um, my speciality was down the performance analysis route. Um, and okay. for the last couple of years, I worked in the performance innovation um, athlete health team. Um, so I guess my day, day to day job was pretty varied, actually. Um, it was working with uh, either individual athletes or um, teams. Um, a lot of it was on that kind of 1%, trying to find the 1% margin of yeah. winning. So the difference between a gold medal and a silver medal. Um, Absolutely. Kind of uh, individualized programs or projects with a sport or an individual athlete. Um, I mainly focused around big projects that I was managing were kind of athlete health. So tracking a whole spectrum of variables. So from how does an athlete feel through to um, how much training were they doing? How difficult was the training? Trying to understand variation, load, um, basically what could what could we do to make the GB athletes more successful, um, to yeah. be able to train harder, make them more available um, and help them train so they were kind of competing at a higher level. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a really varied. I, I loved it and I actually left at the beginning of last year um, yeah. just to go freelance purely to, I mean, yeah. I was kind of getting stuck in really a bit of a rut between adventuring and work. Um, yeah. Working in elite sport, it's, it's a high pressure environment. You can't take time off kind of when yeah, you want yeah. to or and I was trying to weigh up the pros and cons so I, I did two Olympic cycles um, and then made the decision to leave well just before Tokyo which obviously now has gone back a year anyway um, yeah 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 so I actually yeah I left to go freelance to give myself more time to adventure yeah so yeah, yeah I yeah. don't regret the decision yet so that's positive <laughs> no 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 that's that's good that's good um, like I say you obviously as it sounds slightly harsh but sometimes you've got to be selfish you've got to think yeah. about yourself because otherwise as we're going again mentioning about mental health or just your own sort of like yeah. progression it'll, it'll help your progression yeah um i know obviously i can understand that everyone's in the same position at the moment with it being very difficult to do pretty much anything yeah. but you st you've got to start somewhere haven't you yeah um with with your sports science sort of background does that do you use that in your own sort of training uh aspects of what you do yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's a bit for swings and roundabouts, really, because I know what I should be doing, but I don't always want to. Uh, I don't really yeah. want to do want to do what I know I should be doing. Um, yeah, so it's definitely it's very very useful to have um, kind of knowledge of strength conditioning, um, kind of physiology and understanding. I guess from a training perspective, yeah. um, I definitely use it to understand. What I, where I am, where I want to get to, and what is the best route of getting there. Saying that, yeah. I go to two different gyms who have, both have great coaches. Those gyms, they program. Yeah. I follow their programs. I trust the programs that they're doing. So, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting world. And I think the biggest thing for me was the kind of the different headspace it puts you in working in elite sport. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you're just you're. I mean, you're surrounded by some well especially working in a for a country like gb you're surrounded by the best athletes in the world yeah um yeah yeah absolutely and so i think that i think that actually probably pushed me a bit further with adventuring as well because um i mean everyone kind of everyone who adventures kind of says it, you know i'm just a normal person and i don't like yeah i'm not a sport i'm not a, i mean there is some amazing sports people who adventure but a lot of people are just they're not outstanding sports people they're exactly the same kind of off the street enjoy going to the gym etc etc yeah, yeah. but yeah i think working in that elite yeah. sport environment you realize what the human body is capable of and how much further you can push yourself um yeah, yeah so i think from a probably from more of a mental um rather than a physical perspective especially kind of get, being able to get yeah. in the right headspace and understanding um kind of barriers and pushing through barriers and that side of thing probably is really um rubbed off for me yeah, absolutely. I, I I always say to to people like I think 
if you're, I think your mind is a lot stronger than your body. Yeah. Like, obviously, sometimes people go a bit too far, I think, sometimes yeah. and can put your body in some real damage. Yeah. But yeah, again, that's about listening and understanding how yeah. your body works uh, in, in, the, in aspects of training. Um, when you were working for TG, Team GB, yeah. did you work like particular sports or was it an overall sort of most most like every every sport yeah so the role um i was in i pretty much covered every every sport um olympic paralympic mm. so i would work um project based so i'd go into a sport for either a couple of weeks or some sports it was long term over a couple of years kind of monitoring projects and okay. working working with the sports so the majority of sports all have their own performance analyst biomechanist They've got their own physio team, medical team. So I would go in and work with those people working in the sports, look at what they were doing, um, look at the data that we were collecting from the athletes, um, analyse all that, look at the processes that were in place and kind of make suggestions and say, actually, what about if we did this? Or um, we had a team that designed equipment. So if they were introducing new equipment, the biggest risk for that is risk of injury. Um, yeah. So we would then collect all the data, analyse how that bit of equipment you could introduce a bit of equipment an athlete might go 10 seconds faster for example but if they end up with a ruptured yeah. achilles tendon they're not going to win a gold medal yeah, at yeah. the olympics so it was kind of all the monitoring no. the um, medical team and the sports science teams to make sure actually let's implement that bit of equipment but understand exactly how it works what's the pros what's the cons how can we change it to make it more effective is there different processes we can follow and i guess the benefit the benefit of that was we'd go into one sport there was a really good practice in one sport that we could then share that with a different sport who hadn't thought about doing something about that or they had an injury that they hadn't had before and we were able to go back into our data and look and say well hang on we've seen 10 of these in this sport let's see what we did there understand that and move it across so yeah it was very varied and um yeah very fortunate to have such a insight into so many different sports at uh, kind of yeah. elite level. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I, I like I said, I, I'm just, I was pretty much the same as you as a kid. Like, I I put my hand at pretty much everything, yeah. like, absolutely everything. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I I represented my school, town, and yeah. my county in yeah. quite a few sports. So I, I I kind of understand like you know the way the way you look at it. Um, now I just want to quickly bring onto your. I think it was it your this your channel swims were there before the row? Yeah. Yeah. So I did the channel um, swims first. Yeah. Yeah. So how how because I know a lot of people look like you know I know there's a few people done it like they've rowed it and and, and swam it uh, on you know they do it on like comic relief red news yeah. day type <laughs> stuff, but what what uh, brought you to do your channel swims because that's quite it's quite an achievement that. Yeah. So um, the year before. I guess I don't. I finished university. Um, I was working in elite sport, and I think there was part of me that was just thinking, you know, I'm working with these athletes. They're doing amazing things. I was probably at that age. I'd finished university, so all the sports clubs that I was part of at university had obviously finished. I wasn't playing sport for any teams. That was probably the first time in my life that I'd got to a point where I thought, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to training in the evenings. I'm not yeah. part of all these different clubs and and teams that I have been. And I remember just sitting on the sofa one evening, I was entirely bored, it was the middle of winter, and I thought, I'm so bored, I really need to do something and give myself some challenges. And so I did a thing called, I called it Challenge 12, and it was basically one challenge every month for 12 months. And okay. I just basically wanted to see how far I could push myself. And I mean, at this stage, I'd, running is not was not my thing at all, I'd never run a 5k. Growing up, I was a yeah. sprinter, so, 100 meters like 400 meters was my absolute max in training like okay. i used okay. to run i used to train in 100 meters i was a hurdler um so if someone said to me run 5k i was like i don't think so <laughs> like i'm a sprinter <laughs> um so i thought you know actually I've, I've spent the last kind of 12 years sprinting and doing that kind of in, um activity um I want to see how far I can push myself. So actually, I'm going to do things that put me out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm going to raise a bit of money for charity whilst I do it, like try and raise some money for charity. Yeah. Um, and so I just sat there that evening and just Googled, you know, what challenges can I do? And so I started off, you know, I found a 5K and I thought, right, okay, first month I'll 
run a five, I'll train and get myself to run a 5k. And then as I started Googling, I found, you know, these ultra marathons and I thought, oh, that looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's amazing. I yeah, like, yeah. you can start, go, uh, I signed up for one. Um, it was around the Isle of Wight and I thought, what an okay. adventure. I've never been to the Isle of Wight. What a better way to see it than running or walking kind of around the entire coastal path. And okay. as part of that challenge 12, I found there was a char charity called Aspire who run a, it was a 12 week um, challenge and it was to swim the distance of the channel which was, I think it's 22 miles, 21 miles, in a pool. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's a 12-week challenge. I'm trying to, trying to do 12 challenges in 12 months, so I'll try and swim that in a month. Um, okay. I loved swimming at that stage anyway. I used to swim a couple of times a week. Um, not particularly well, but just for fitness. And, yeah. Um, so I did the channel swim in a pool, um, yeah. I think over the course of about two or three weeks, just ticks off the distance and then i got an email from them just saying you know thank you for completing it did you know that we also um you can also swim the actual channel and i thought what like, okay. this is <laughs> this sounds amazing um so i got in contact with them and said you know i'm really interested and they explained you know it's all part of a relay team there'll be six of you swimming um we have assessment days come along to the assessment day um we'll put you through some swimming tests etc etc um, and that stage, I thought, you know, I've not done, I've not done really anything like this. I over that course of the year, I completed, I'd done, I think, three ultra marathons, so 100 k's, not running okay. anymore. I did a mixture of running, walking, got through them. Um, yeah. Kind of under, they were 24 hour cutoff times, and I loved it. And um, I was absolutely broken after all of them, um, like entirely broken. But I absolutely loved it of kind of getting to that point where I felt, you know, 60 kilometers or whatever. And I thought, I can't go on. I've got another 40 kilometers. My feet hurt. Everything hurts. I can't do this. And then that refusal to get like to say, no, go on. You can go on for another 10K. Then I'll be at 70. Then I was like, oh, there's only 30K yeah, yeah. left now. Then I'll be at 80. And I was like, well, I'm almost there now. I've done 80. You know, there's only 20 kilometers left to go. Let's go. So I think from doing those ultras, I'd kind of, I'd realized that I could push myself way further out of my comfort zone than um mm. i initially realized and i loved it um which i think is really important i see i've got loads of friends you know that run and all they ever say is i hate running so much and i say to them like, why are you doing it yeah. if you hate if you hate it don't do it like yeah, only yeah. do it like don't do it because you think you should be doing it because it's good for you or i said you know there's so many ways you can get outside like find something that you love yeah. and do that because then you'll want to go and do it every day and um yeah and i i mean i'm i'm never ever going to be a good a decent ultra runner um, yeah. at all but I will sign up for another 10 ultras and I know I'll get through them I'm never going to be in probably the top half of the field but I absolutely adore them and um, yeah so that's how I, I guess I stumbled into the channel swim completely by accident really um, yeah. and I just thought I've never I've never swum open water um, I can swim in a pool I had no idea how fast I was compared to anyone else because um, I'd never swum in, I hadn't ever club swum or anything. I always just swam laps by myself in the evening. Um, yeah. So I kind of turned up at the assessment day thinking they're either going to laugh at me and say to me, you know, come back next year or, um, yeah, yeah. or this is going to be absolutely fine. And it was one of the, yeah, it was one of the most amazing days, actually. The, there was people there that could swim. Um, you kind of have to put in a mile time and they, um, they test you over a mile basically to find your time. And there was people there that yeah. were swimming it in 22 minutes. There was people there that were swimming it in 45 minutes. And yeah. they create these relay teams and they put six of you together. Um, and as long as they're happy that they think you're going to be able to acclimatize because the water the water was cold in the channel. You're not allowed to wear wetsuits. Yeah. What, what time of year was this? Um, so the first one I did was the very beginning of June, I think. The water was okay. about 12 and a half, 13 degrees. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah it's, it's I, not too I mean, bad. I used to make ice baths at work, which an ice bath used to yeah. be about nine degrees, 10 degrees. So it's not far off. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I turned up the assessment day and then there was all of these, all these people there. Um, and yeah, I got put into a relay team and you do the training, um, down at Dover on the beach, you have to, it's all done by the channel swim, 
Association um, or CSPF. Yep. So you have to pass all these kind of two hour swim tests, etc. And yeah, yeah. yes, then I did the first one. And again, that for me, that was completely out of my comfort zone. So I'd never swum in the sea before. I live in the middle of the Midlands. So pretty much as far away okay. from the sea as you can get. I mean, I've grown up um, loving water. I'm, I spend kind of as much time as I can on the water, but I'm ne I've never swum yeah. in the sea properly. Um, so it was loads of firsts and it was a big learning curve. But again, it was just that pushing myself kind of out of the comfort zone. Um, yeah, it was, I loved it. And then I did the first one. And then a couple of weeks later, one of the other teams had someone drop out and they needed a swimmer. So I just stepped in and did a second one. Um, awesome. How, how long after was that? The second one. After the first one. The second um, one, sorry, yeah, after the first about one. two months, I think. Yeah. So do, do you, I would, I would assume you'd obviously recovered a lot by then. Cause... Yes. So, I mean, and when you're swimming in a relay as well, you there's six of you on the team. Yeah. So you um, you swim for you swim for an hour, and then you get back okay. on the boat, and then they rotate through the other swimmers. Um, it, it depends massively as well on tides, on weather. The first one was I had a very good team. There were some very good swimmers in the team. Um, and it took us, I think, 16 hours, the first one, I think. Okay. The second one, same distance, obviously. Very yep. similar standard team. There was a couple of very fast people on the team. And it took us, I think, 11 hours, 20. Okay. Um, just yeah. vastly different conditions. Um, yeah, so yeah. That, that came down. I mean, that planted the seed about doing it solo. Um, yeah, yeah. Which say, is yeah. which is still there. Um, a couple a couple of the people I swam with on the first team um, are doing it, are training for it, doing yeah. it solo, and um, yeah, that's that's definitely something that's kind of it's on a list that I would like to do. Um, yeah, I'm also aware though that the there's. There's so many kind of uncontrollables, uncontrollables in terms of the weather and yeah, absolutely. tides and um, and it's definitely. I mean, for me, an ultra, I can go in and if I feel not a hundred percent, I know that I can get through because you can walk some of it. You can, you yeah, know, you can sit yeah. down, you can have a rest, and mentally you can get through. Whereas the channel swim is very, very, very different. So um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely on my list of things to that. I'd probably like to do it at some point um it's it, yeah i was going to say it's kind of like the next step up isn't it yeah like obviously if you've done it by uh, if you've done it as a team and a relay then yeah doing it by yourself is probably like the, the kind of not well to the, the next yeah definitely yeah i've started um so i've got a bit of a personal challenge where i'm trying to swim the length of all the lakes in the lake district so I've, okay cool. yeah so and that's kind of my goal at the moment is if i can get up to swimming so i think windermere is 15 i think it's 15 miles maybe okay yeah is that, that's obviously is that is that point to point that's not not navigate it's not like circumnavigated no that's, that's just point, point to point, point. yeah so I did, i've yeah, done yeah. coniston which is five and a half miles um and yeah so in my head i'm kind of thinking you know, i'm going to work my way through those and if i'm still really enjoying open water swimming and the longer distances and the training for it then Maybe I'll, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll look at booking a channel swim for a few years' time. But yeah, absolutely. That 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 sounds that sounds great. Like I, I do have something in my head uh, that I want to do. I, yeah. Um, like I said, because swimming, when it when it comes to sort of like say a, like a triathlon, like swimming is definitely my strong. I I would personally say it's my stronger point. Yeah. Um, cycling. I did a cycle uh, with. Have you heard? Do you know James Ketchell? Or heard of James yeah. Ketchell? Yeah, yeah. So I've got him coming on uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, he, he's, he, I became good friends with him, and okay. uh, I joined him on one of his cycles okay. when he cycled around the UK. Yeah, and I think I did close to forty miles, which doesn't sound a lot for people who do that on a regular basis. But when you're talking to someone who's like, you know, a fifteen stone rugby <laughs> lad, it's it's not it's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a cyclist about it by any means or any stretch of the imagination, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I'll be honest, but I, it was good being with him. Um, yeah. And running, 
running uh, I don't know I, I I I'm the same I I think with running it's like you say if you don't want to run like you can't continue running because it's from some reason you can always walk yeah and that's what I did and it's something I hate admitting but I've told this before well I did London Marathon about five years ago now yeah probably five or six years ago and like like most people who don't train mm. as well as you should have which yeah. was me um I hit a brick wall at about 18 miles yeah and so for the last, you know, up until the 26 mile point or to the end, basically, I, I did, um, I basically walked a mile, ran a mile, walked a mile. Yeah. Um, just because like people, for people who haven't done things like a marathon or whatever, they will, I don't know if they'll understand what the, the brick wall is. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be just something that happens. Like, yeah. I, I, and, and that's, that for me, that's, you know, like that's something that I always remember. So ironically though, as much as, as this is going back to sort of being like headstrong and stuff like that in your headspace, mm. as much as I hated the last sort of, you know, like four or five, six miles or even longer, seven or eight miles when I did the London Marathon yeah. and cycling with James, I still, on my bucket list is to do a, a uh, Ironman. Okay. I've always wanted to do an Ironman. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't... I don't want to say it's for bragging rights because it isn't because people, <laughs> you know, people do it all the time. But it's just something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I've always wanted to do the marathon. But doing the London marathon was obviously was good for me. Yeah. Like it was obviously it's one of the probably the more you know uh, the most sort of popular ones in the world. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I've got a, I've when it comes to the swim, there is something I do want to do, but. I'll probably tell you after because I don't want to say it now <laughs> because if I, if I was to ne- it's one of them if I was. If I was to never do it, I don't want to be people walk, watching this back going, "Oh, you said you were <laughs> going to do it." So I, I'll tell you after. It's 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 something that's again, it's like the, it's like the channel swim, but it's actually further. Okay. Um, and it's something that's quite quite. It's a very popular route. It's one okay. of the, the you know how they have the seven summits, obviously for mountaineering. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the. It's like a, a it's basically a channel, a crossing equivalent. Uh, it's okay. one of them. Oh, like the seven um, swims. But, yeah, it's, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it yeah. is part of that. I think it is ah, part of that. But okay. if I tell you, you'll know what I mean. But I'll yeah. tell you after because. Okay. <laughs> um, but with with your swim, uh, I, I read about is it the Dover Straits Awards or something that that you, you got an award or yeah, I, I, so I, I don't hundred percent understand what it was. I, I read about it and I, I know that you got that. Yeah. But so what, what is that? Um, basically, every year they give an award for the fastest relay team of the year. Um, okay. And so the second swim that I was on, we happened to be the fastest relay team um, that swam the channel that year. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, it, it was a lovely thing to get. And it was, a, you know, we, we did train hard for it. Um, but equally, it, it, we had the best, that swim had the, probably the perfect conditions you could possibly hope for, for a channel swim. I mean, the English channel looked like a pond. Um, yeah, yeah. There was the just where we were in the um, neap and spring tide kind of cycle. There was very little tide compared to the first swim I did, where the tides were massive. Um, yeah. And we were pretty much able to swim in a. Um, this probably won't make any sense, but because of the tides in the English Channel, even though you're swimming in a straight line, point to point, you actually end up swimming yeah. in a big S shape because it. The yeah, tides yeah, pull absolutely. You one way and they pull you the other way. And I mean, on that yeah. swim, we were able to pretty much swim in a straight line, which is partly down to speed of the swimmers, um, but also yeah. just great conditions. And yeah, I think that was probably one of the biggest, a really good lesson actually for me to learn that it doesn't matter how good you are at something. Um, yeah. like there are so many other factors that influence what you are doing. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be the best, the best runner, but if there's gale force winds or whatever and you're not going to run as fast as someone maybe that is a slower runner but had much better conditions and there wasn't wet slippery ground and yeah. um yeah so that's probably one of the a big learning lesson for me on that swim actually is just just because you're doing the same thing as someone else has done previously yeah doesn't doesn't mean it's the identical challenge um or it was it's easy because someone else has done it before. You know, there's so many different factors yeah, that yeah. 
Yeah, especially, especially I think when it comes to swimming, obviously, like you say, or you know, channel swimming. Yeah. Like you said, there's so many factors that can change the variation yeah. in speed, direction, and the yeah. just general sort of how yeah. it all comes about. But what I, want, I was going to say, um, kind of going from one sort of water sport to another, because yeah. I know you, you obviously you're massively into your rowing, and and for people who don't know, they'll they'll soon realise that yeah. rowing is quite. Like what you've done is like amazing like for for people. Like, for like again, I I spoke to James about this uh, a few weeks ago, um, and he's done rowing as well. Uh, yeah. But you obviously he rode the Atlant rode the Atlantic. You did is it the Mid Pacific? Yeah. So did. we did um, California to Hawaii. Yeah. How was that? That that that, that sounds pretty. If to put them two places together that sounds amazing but obviously you probably <laughs> didn't see them for as long as you should have <laughs> yeah um yeah no definitely didn't see them as long i mean california was we were there for i think two and a half weeks and it was probably the most some of the most stressful two and a half weeks of trying to yeah. get everything ready for it so um yeah we didn't do a lot of sleeping before we left which isn't ideal for a challenge when you're you know you're not going to sleep very much anyway yeah, um yeah, yeah rowing is actually a funny one so um, I'd, I'd never rode. I'd probably done every single water sport um, possible, um, yep. apart from rowing. And which okay. is, I, I grew up um, down south uh, on the Thames, which okay. is kind of the birthplace of rowing, you know, that's <laughs> where yeah, 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 um, I live very close to Henley. Um, but yeah, I'd never rode. Um, and I worked with a, a girl who I worked with had rode the Pacific few years prior to when I went um and I remember when I first met her I was just sat chatting kind of about things we'd done and getting to know her a bit and I remember she said to me oh yeah actually um next year I'm rowing the Pacific I remember thinking you're absolutely crazy like you're rowing yeah. the Pacific like what on earth is this and then and I think she said oh have you ever seen the documentary you know the James Cracknell Ben Fogel one, which a lot of people have yeah, seen, yeah. when they rode the Atlantic. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was like, that looked epic. And she said, yeah, we're doing that, but we're going from California to Australia. It's going to take us a year. And I just wow. remember thinking, that is madness. But because I knew her, I obviously followed their journey. And yeah. over that time, I watched it. But I, I always remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I would love to do something. Like, that looks absolutely incredible. I would love to do something like that. But people like me don't do that kind of... Thing. And I don't yeah, I don't know why yeah. I had that, but a lot of people a lot of people I've spoken to since say that they have that they look at these people doing those kind of challenges and they think, Oh, that's amazing. Like I wish I was one of those people that could do something like that. And I think after having done the channel swims and the ultras and I'd pushed myself kind of so far up my comfort zone, I think I was in that kind of headspace of, well, hang on, if they can do it, then why can't like why isn't that something that I can do? Um yeah, and so there was there's a race across the Atlantic. There's also a race across the Pacific, which is yeah. much less known. Um, far fewer crews. I think I think there's still been less than a hundred people who've rowed across the Pacific in total. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's much less rowed ocean than the Atlantic, um, for good reason, probably. Actually, it's <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not as enjoyable in terms of weather and um, sea state as the Atlantic, but yeah, I just, um, I had a bit of a bumpy road getting getting to the start line. Um, I initially joined a crew. Okay. Um, I had no rowing experience, which they were aware of. It then transpired kind of a little bit further down the line that actually their main goal was they wanted a team of really good rowers. Um, okay. I had never rowed. I joined my local rowing club to learn to row, which actually in the grand scheme of things, rowing on a flat, river is nothing like rowing on an ocean doesn't yeah, really yeah, I can imagine. There, there isn't can imagine. there isn't really much um being a good flat water rower doesn't particularly make you a good ocean rower or prepare you yeah to row the ocean um yeah so i ended up um initially joining a crew we then kind of parted separate rays and i made my own crew um found a, two other girls that wanted to row um okay. I won't bore you with the story. It was a very stressful couple of months. Um, yeah. Our last crewmate actually joined. We lost a crewmate two months before the start line. And okay. then we found our third crewmate, Elle. She actually joined um, 
pretty much six weeks before we left. Um, okay. She was Australian. The first time we ever met her was when I picked her up from the airport in California. Um, oh, really? She'd never wow. seen the boat before. Like she hadn't been on the boat. She literally flew out completely blind, but just had the most amazing attitude and like, exactly the kind of person that you would want on a boat with you. Um, yeah. yeah. So the three, yeah, all three of us actually. Um, Elle had rowed for a year at uni, um, and that okay. was it. And Meg, who was out, my other crewmate, had never been in a boat at all. Um, okay. Yeah, so we were really three complete rowing novices, um, which I think made it all a bit more exciting, to be honest. Yeah, um, you just learn. learn <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you got along. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was the most incredible, incredible adventure. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and when... Because obviously I mentioned at the beginning, obviously you came. Is that from the mid Pacific row that you got the world that world record, or was that from a separate yeah, so, occasion? Yeah, we got two world records. So we um, we were the first crew of three, male or female, to row the mid Pacific. Um, yep. So previously there had been um, most people rowing a there'd been fours and there'd been pairs, and no one yep. had rowed in a three. Also, probably for good reason. Rowing as a three has it. Yeah. You have to have a bigger boat, but sometimes you have to row solo, and yeah. so there's um, kind of difficulties rowing as a three. Also, a lot of positives. Um, and then we were the youngest crew of three to row any ocean as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so when when you uh, rowed it, was it a was it double or single or was it? Yeah. So the double? boat. So we rowed a boat that would normally be rowed by four people. Um, okay. So it's a bit bigger than a pairs boat um, for a number of reasons. When we first started out, we were going to row as a four. Um, yeah. We lost a crew member pretty early on in this kind of in our build up to the race, um, which actually wasn't very long because we did it all in about six months. Um, okay. Which was then when we just decided to go as a three. So the boat we had was a little bit bigger than we probably would have had if we'd maybe been going as a um as a three um but we rotated around so we rode three hours on three hours off um okay 24 hours a day and in that three hours of rowing you'd row for two hours as a pair but then an hour by yourself so in a 24-hour period we'd have 12 hours where we were rowing in with two of us and then 12 hours where we'd be rowing individually wow okay yeah that's that's that must have been pretty like because he said like you say you didn't not really rowed before if not at mm. all hardly especially ocean rowing because I yeah. know I have I know it's different um, yeah. so how I, I suppose like, again I, when I spoke to James about this he said that he basically got fit he just trained and he got fitter as he went along like yeah, he didn't I've... necessarily start with the the, the training he yeah. just got fitter as he went yeah completely I mean we turned up to the start line. Um, I mean, actually, if you see photographs of us at the start line, we probably look the unfittest we've ever looked purely because we just, we put on about 10 kilos yeah. of fat um, yeah. on purpose. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a great, most of us <laughs> ever had training for, training for an adventure. You can just eat whatever you wanted. Um, yeah, purely yeah. because we'd spoken to a lot of crew members who all said, you know, you're going to lose so much weight because it's just, it's so hard to eat enough calories out at sea. Um, yeah compared to what you're burning and they were completely right i mean i i lost 17 kilos in two months wow yeah that's and a I, lot yeah and um and i mean i wasn't i was never hungry i wasn't ever thinking oh i'm not going to eat that because i want to lose weight or whatever yeah, it was yeah. just the amount of rowing that you do and um kind of the physicality of it compared to it's difficult to yeah to eat a lot of food to kind of force yourself to eat it because you row for three hours and then you'd come off your row shift and you'd have three hours off yeah. but actually by the time you got into the cabin got out of your wet clothes that's maybe 10 minutes down then you have to start cooking so you then you have to boil your water wait for your food pack and then you've got to sleep as well so a lot of time especially kind of in the night you'd come off and all you want to do is sleep if it's kind of two in the morning and you yeah, know yeah. that you'd have about two and a half hours to sleep before you have to get back up and then row for another three hours. So it was, mm. yeah, it was um, 
kind of food intake was actually one of the most difficult parts of it, of actually trying to make sure that every time you came off shift, you at least grabbed something and got some calories down you. Um, yeah, yeah. Before you slept, and then two and a half hours later, your alarm go off to get back out and start brewing again. So. Yeah, that. So, you must like obviously for things like that. Obviously, to keep, did you must have had? Did you have any means of like keeping your morale high or anything like that? Because I can imagine at times you must have got a bit miffed off with some, you know, like people. Or do you know, do you ever have arguments while you're on? Yeah, on um, I think I was very lucky. Um, I had two really great crewmates. Um, yeah. You know, I've spoken to crews who said that they've got off the boat at the other end and they've never spoken to their crewmates again. They oh, couldn't okay. stand each other. They hated each other. Um, we were very fortunate that we we got off the boat at the end and all three of us are still friends kind of yeah. two and a half years down the line. Um, yeah. So I think I think that helps. Um, having a yeah. Being on a boat with people that you um, are happy with. We had a couple of, kind of different strategies on board, which is probably very useful where my work kind of the work I do kind of came in I was able to speak to people you know who were experts at work so sports psychologists I was able to speak to and say you know what would you do what kind of um strategies do you suggest we take and I mean the biggest one that we took with us was don't let anything linger if something is annoying you then you tell just say it straight away so if someone's done something that's annoyed you or there's something that's been left out that should be put away that's annoying you rather than thinking oh for goodness sake why haven't they done that and then four days down the line it's still there or they're still doing that and you're thinking why aren't they doing that but not saying anything then that's when kind of tensions start to get a bit frayed and you start snapping at people and so yeah we just had this kind of agreement between the three of us you know that don't get offended if someone says to you why haven't you done that or can you please do that or this is annoying me can you stop doing that that's not something to be um, offended by or yeah. you know just kind of say oh how dare you turn around that's just that person saying this is really annoying me I just need to sort this out now before it becomes a problem and we did that and yeah. I think the whole way across there was probably we maybe had two or three big arguments I mean we were at sea for 62 days and I think we yeah, had yeah. maybe two or three kind of situations that turned into getting quite annoyed at each other and hmm. most of the time it's because one person wanted to do one thing, someone else wanted, like one of us wanted to do the other yeah. thing. And there was that butting of heads that actually, if it had been spoken about maybe three or four days earlier, like mm. it would never have become a problem. And I mean, now I look back at some things that we, like some of those two arguments, and I just think, why were we even arguing about them? They were, yeah. but you're tired, you're like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we were very lucky. We had very, very few arguments um, on the boat, but we did have strategies to, kind of stop those situations from occurring um but yeah i think i don't i think if anyone says they've been on an adventure in a group of people and they haven't had any arguments over a period of time then i think an argument is always going to happen i mean living with someone i mean on an ocean rowboat the reality is you're living in the space of a bathtub with with two other people for two months um yeah is kind of the is that that's the space that your cabin has and that's where the three of you are living for two months so yeah, yeah um, arguments are going to happen aren't they yeah, it's, exactly. it's inevitable like like you say if you're doing you know the amount of work that you're doing and you're going to be tired and, and yeah. a lot of people know when you're tired you have arguments you nick nitpick at things and, yeah and obviously like you say especially if something needs to be in a particular place or it doesn't have to be in a particular place then yeah yeah, you, you're gonna start arguing at people, yeah. and, and it's and like you say, it's something that needs to be nipped in the bud. I think straight away. I can imagine. I've obviously never done what you've done, but I can imagine if you're in something that's not very, you know, uh, you can't exactly walk away and just have a, you know, and have a time. I suppose you can have a moment to yourself, but you can't go too far, you know. So I feel like, you, you, like you say, you're gonna have to get things, you know, sorted straight away because yeah, you know, exactly. otherwise. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, some ways in an ocean rowing boat, I mean, it actually just makes the situation hilarious because you have this argument with someone and then you literally step a metre apart from each other and that's as far as you can go. And so a lot of the time, you know, you have this argument and you sit there thinking, okay, and then after kind of 10 minutes, you're thinking, this is ridiculous, like someone's got to say something now because we can't just sit here a metre apart 
And, yeah, um, yeah. and you're right, normally when you have an argument with someone, you know, you'll both walk off, you might have a couple of hours to kind of calm down and then yeah, yeah. you get back. But actually, yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, you know, we'd, we'd kind of have this argument, it would come out, you'd probably say something that you didn't really mean to say to the other person. You'd sit there for about 10 minutes and you'd be like, what do you want for dinner? And then it would kind of just <laughs> yeah. all be blown over and you just think, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like you say, it can affect performance as well. Yeah, you know, um, I can I can understand that. Um, now, like speaking of performance, I know uh, you're obviously quite into sort of pushing the you know your limits of and pushing pushing other people's limits as well of of yeah. the, you know how how capable the human body is. Now, obviously, you've done quite a lot of extreme adventures. I call it uh, over mm -hmm. the years. Is there at any time where you just thought I literally cannot go on anymore? Like I just that you push yourself to like absolute breaking point have you ever got to that stage um in terms of quitting or like having to stop yeah, but stopping or quitting uh just just thought you cannot go on anymore um in the ultras i've never i've never quit one um but i remember when i did the isle of white one um i remember sitting on the pavement i think i was about 72 kilometers in and it was more, I think I'd just done the over overnight bit. So I think it was about six o'clock in the morning. The sun was just coming up. Yeah. And I remember just sitting on the pavement in like floods of tears thinking, I actually can't do this. And yeah. um, I just remember my feet hurt. I had blisters on my feet. Mm. Like I hadn't slept obviously overnight because I'd been kind of a mixture of walking, running. Um and I remember just sitting there on the floor. And then I think, I remember someone else came past me and they stopped and they said, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm sat there going, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> and um, and I think they said, oh, like, you can you can stop. Like, I can call one of the, do you want me to call one of the marshal people or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And I think at that time, I thought, I don't want to quit. Like, I refuse yeah, to yeah. quit. And um, I don't know whether it's that kind of, you know, that especially when I was doing it for charity, like that was part of my challenge 12. And um, okay, yeah, yeah, I always feel like there's quite a lot of pressure once you've said to people, you know, I'm going to go and do this. Um, yeah, yeah. I think especially a lot of people don't realize you say you're going to do 100k, and people say, Oh, that sounds fun. And yeah, you think, yeah. I don't think you realize how far 100, 100k is. Like for a lot of people, yeah, yeah, they say, Oh, way. I went on a 10k walk last week, yeah, 100k, that sounds fun. And you think, Okay, <laughs> like, okay, um, yeah, that was probably. That was probably the lowest point I got was in the middle one of the ultras. And I probably sat on that path, on that pavement for about half an hour, kind yeah. of thinking, why am I doing this? Like, I, I can just stop. Like, I don't have to make it to the end. Um, but I'm so stubborn that yeah. um, I kind of, I refused to quit, which I think is a positive and a negative. I did Hadrian's Wall um, yeah, yeah. two years ago, I think. And I did it in the middle of summer thinking, Conditions are going to be great. I'm going to try and yeah. jog as much as I can. Um, I was going to either try and go straight through or I had a bivy with me. I was, thought I'll just sleep for a couple of hours while camping. Yeah. I know some people are funny about yeah. that. But um, yeah, yeah. I had a bivy with me, very little stuff with me. And I just thought I'll just go and I'm going to try and get it done. And about, it was the middle of August, but I think about three weeks prior, like there'd been some of the worst rain, like summer rainfall for years. And everywhere was just waterlogged. I was just I was wading through fields, kind of up to my ankle in water, and this yeah, was the middle yeah. of middle of summer. And I thought, like, it was partly my fault for probably not having researched it like enough or looked at what the like exactly what the conditions were going to be like yeah. on it like recently. And um, yeah, and I got to the point there where I rolled my ankle down a rabbit hole, probably about oh, okay. 20 i don't know i was maybe about 27 kilometers in and i think hadrian's wall is 140 kilometers or something yeah and um i remember at that stage thinking oh that really hurt and i just thought oh well that's fine i don't need to run it i'll just i'll just walk and mm -hmm. um i remember getting to the i think i probably went about 70k that first day so i was almost halfway wow okay and i got yeah. to a um a pub that happened to have a bunkhouse attached to it. I okay. remember thinking, oh, this is perfect. I'm just going to get a bunk here. 
then I can just sleep and then hopefully by the morning it'll be better. I remember waking up and it was swollen and I just thought I shouldn't go on. But because I told people I was doing it, I, I went on and then I walked. So I walked the entire, I ended up walking the next day and a half. I think it took me about a day and like camped somewhere the following night and did the last kind of 80K over two days, just okay. in absolute pain. And it was probably one of the stupidest things I've done um, because yeah. I had planned, it was part of a kind of a challenge that I'd set myself. So a couple of weeks prior, I'd swum from Portsmouth. So I swam the width of the Solent. So Portsmouth to yeah, yeah, yeah. Isle of Wight. Um, and then I was going to do Hadrian's Wall, which is, so I'd kind of swum the width of Solent, and I was doing Hadrian's Wall, which is obviously the width of England. Yeah. And then I yeah. was planning on paddleboarding um, the Great Glen, so which was the width of Scotland, yeah. as a kind of yeah, a yeah. triathlon kind of thing. And um, yeah, and I got to the end of Hadrian's Wall, and I'd obviously walked on this ankle that was pretty badly damaged from rolling down. And then I ended up yep. being out injured for the next kind of three months, basically rehabbing that ankle. Whereas if I just yep. stopped after I rolled it, um, I probably could have gone back two weeks later and done Hadrian's Wall again on the ankle that wasn't injured. Um, yeah, yeah. And had it sorted. So yeah, that was um, that was stupidity. And I also learned, yep. I learned a lot from there that actually, you know, sometimes it's, it's a, Sometimes it's okay. Like you don't have to. If you've told somebody you're going to do something, and actually something happens, like you don't have to push on and and do it because yeah, actually yeah. the implications of it are way worse than saying to someone like no one cares that I walked like I did Hadrian's Wall apart from me. Like none, yeah, of, my, yeah. none of my friends sit there now and say, oh yeah, you know you did Hadrian's Wall. Like no one remembers or like it's a personal yeah, achievement yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was probably the stupidest time so yeah i have been in those situations um yeah i'm probably far too stubborn yeah. in those situations yeah yeah i i can understand like i i i'm the same i did uh i walked home from where i lived in france a few years ago well oh, cool. again i think that was 2016 yeah so i lived about uh, maybe a half an hour outside maybe 45 minutes outside of paris okay and i walked back to here where i live in the northwest nice uh that and that took me that took me 14 days um okay. And for people like people have obviously seen it. Like I, I got to about four, three, four days in, mm. and I had the most horrific, like blisters on my feet. Like literally, like about f a third of my foot was a blister. Yeah, and it was horrible. And I was the same. I was doing it for a charity, and a charity I, I would have a lot of respect for. Yeah, and and a very personal sort of message. So I did. I didn't. I, didn't, I was the same. I didn't want to quit i could have quite easily just jumped on a train yeah. uh, and, and and just gone home but i didn't you know i i i ended up buying myself a bike and cycled home okay. and again like the the distances i was covering a day to be honest wasn't that far you know yeah. but for me as someone who doesn't cycle you know yeah. it wasn't wasn't I, I was still pushing myself yeah so yeah i can completely understand um now I just want to ask, what is next for you? I know you mentioned a little bit about you, you know, you wanting to do the uh, the next uh, swim, the what the channel, the channel solo. Yeah. Is there anything else on your mind that you can say that you um, don't mind telling? Yeah. So there's another row um, in the works. Um, okay. Yeah, myself and my boyfriend have got a we're hatching a plan for an ocean row. Um, okay. Kind of next yeah next year um okay. it's still kind of in the works so i don't want to say yeah. too much about it just in case we change plans yeah, yeah. or um yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah, but, yeah no i'm hoping um yeah next year definitely we're planning on doing a row um there's a lot of things you know looking at funding and that side of thing as well yeah yeah um yeah, yeah we've yeah. got a lot of a lot of ideas i mean i had been planning before um, COVID hit, I, I was planning to cycle um, kind of basically through Europe. Um, okay, yep. So kind of Germany, Austria, then through to kind of Croatia, Hungary, Romania okay. type route. Um, yep. Following the river. Um, that had kind of been in the works that I'd been roughly planning and 
thinking I'm probably going to do that, but obviously that all got shut down fully due to COVID. So that's that's kind of yeah, hanging yeah. around. Um, we're thinking maybe like when we might do that. Um, yeah, there's Lake District trying to swim the length of all the lakes in the Lake District is yep, yep. Um, yep. is there. Yeah, I think yeah the rose the row is definitely the next big one. Um, okay. On the radar, kind of multi month one that's out there um okay. and then yeah just lots of little ones i'm just trying to i mean one of the reasons i left working elite sport um and started going freelance was to give me the flexibility to adventure more yeah um i mean as it turned out obviously i quit at probably the worst time to do more adventures yeah. because we've been locked down um but also it's been nice i've, I've actually explored um the local area a lot more and kind yeah. of realize the amount of adventures you can have close to home so i found there's a couple of long distance footpaths really close to where i live that start um where i where i live which i didn't even know existed um yeah so in the summer a friend me and my friend did like kind of recce out part of that um so there's kind of i've got a couple of potential ultras that kind of locally yeah that i want yeah. to do so yeah, lots of it, lots of kind of little yeah. things on the radar, and then um, a big one. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not great at planning. So, what tends to happen is yeah, that okay. someone says, "Oh, I'm thinking about doing this. Would you be interested?" And then I say, hundred percent," and then I end up going on a complete kind of tangent yeah, yeah. off what I was yeah. kind of initially planning and doing something completely different. So, yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Uh, um, like you mentioned about like in your local area and yeah. and for me like I, I one of my hobbies uh, is uh, geocaching okay like, so yeah I'm assuming you've do you know geocaching yeah I've heard, I've heard of, of it. it I've never I've never done it yeah before. yeah it sounds a bit like like because people for people who again going back to technology and stuff yeah. people who don't know what it is it's basically what what was Pokemon go but for a bit more a bit more like mature i would say okay. so it's not it's not quite it's not quite pokemon go because I, I, I don't like to say that i do that but um yeah it's kind of geocaching is great like and like i i've lived in the same town now for 30 years i've lived yeah. here for 30 years and um the there was a route that took me uh, so there was a geocaching route that i followed and it took me three places that i've never seen yeah and i've lived in the same town for 30 yeah. years and i've never seen them I literally come down to like a particular part of the town and I'm like looking around just like I, I, I literally I didn't actually know where I was it, <laughs> obviously except from looking at my phone yeah I knew I was in a particular area but I was just like I've never been to this part of my my, my town and like yeah. I said I've lived there all, near enough all my life yeah I so think that has been um it's crazy yeah it's been a massive eye-opener for me as well because I think as well when I like previously when I've been thinking you know I want to go on more adventures I want to do things Straight away, I open Google. I open Google Maps and start looking, you know, Europe or America, and yeah, yeah. I start googling, you know, like where, like, what place look amazing. And I completely forget that, like, I've probably seen more of the world than I have actually of England and Scotland, and like, like we live in an amazing yeah, place. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, and so I think, yeah. I think the last year I've actually realised that I want to do a lot more adventures, like, in the UK. Um, yeah. Yeah and yeah and kind of explore especially scotland like i i've, not, I've been to scotland but i've not yeah been kind of into the beautiful parts of scotland so yeah yeah, yeah. i think i'm probably going to try oh. and plan a lot more kind of close to home adventures anyway. yeah yeah well with scotland i highly recommend doing the west island way okay. like i did that a few, quite a number of years ago yeah um again i can't remember off the top of my head how far it was but it's, it's a good what's a very beautiful walk yeah and the, and the good and the good thing is you can wild camp out there yeah officially <laughs> like, um so you, you that's not a problem um now obviously speaking of ventures last thing i want to ask you before mm -hmm. i let you go is if you could have any adventure let's like i tell you what just because you're you're into water sports yeah let's let's exclude water sports oh, no. okay and uh let's just say you could pick anyone past and present to go on a, an adventure with yeah what, what would you do and where would you go Oh, what a question. Um put you on the spot. David Attenborough. Okay. Definitely. Um yeah. I just think he's one of the most incredible people in terms of just I just love him. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I do. He, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, um, and I would love to. I'd love to go on a long. I don't know where. Probably a long walking adventure, but with someone okay. like David Attenborough, who, for me, I'm all. Whenever I go on these walks, I always see so much. You know, like I'm out in nature and there's animals and plants and everything, and I have no idea what they are. And I sometimes do a quick Google, yeah. but I don't really appreciate it enough. Yeah. And one of my favorite adventures I've ever been on was I did the Inca Trail. Um, okay. Years, yeah, yeah, yeah. About I don't know. Probably about That's eight on years my list now. as well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the guide that I did it with was really into. He had um, loads of. He was a local, but he had degrees in um, like flora, fauna, zoology, yeah. etc. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, and it just it changed that adventure for me. It became less of a the adventure wasn't about walking because everything yeah. we went past, he would point out all these things that I would never have noticed if I was just walking by myself. And he'd stop and he'd say, oh, come here and have a look at this. And he'd like lift up rocks and then they'd be like little animals underneath it. And he'd explain yeah, all about yeah. that. And that for me was just like, that was the most incredible couple of days on an adventure, having that extra knowledge. And it's just bits that I never look at. So now when I'm on adventures, I do try and slow down a bit and kind of appreciate yeah. a bit more where I am. But yeah, I'd love to go, yeah, David Attenborough on a kind of a long walking yeah. trip somewhere remote. Not yeah. sure where. That, that, <laughs> no, that, that's, that sounds pretty cool. I, I think he's definitely up there as someone I'd like to go yeah. with one day. Uh, and yeah, it, but I can say that, that'd be amazing. Like, I, I, I've thought about what, who, because like, someone asked me the same thing, uh, a while back. And do you know what? I, I see, I'm, I like, like, I like Leveson Wood. Leveson Wood. Yeah. Like, I've, I've I've been and seen a lot of um, a lot of his. Obviously, I watch all his documentaries. Yeah. And I've, I've actually been I've been and uh, uh, visited him. Not visited him, but I, you know, I've I've been to these talks and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so I have I've met him, uh, and he's and such an interesting guy. And yeah. again, he comes for me as well. I can have a personal connection with him because he comes from a military background yeah. as well, like myself. So we, had, we I remember when I spoke to him, we had a lot a lot in common. And and obviously I do photography as a hobby. Okay. He does photography. Yeah. So yeah, that that's someone I think I would. And I I I've been to Zambia in Africa, but I'd like to visit a lot more of Africa. I'd definitely like to visit more of Africa. Yeah. Um. So that that would be for me. But um. Yeah, Kaz, it's been great. It's been great chatting to you. Like it's been interesting. Like it, it's it's nice to sort of like get to like. Like no understanding of different aspects. Like I was interested in your sports science background. That was something mm. I was actually intrigued by, and obviously doing what you've done with your rowing and stuff. As as I mentioned before, um, be, like water sports not being too great of a of a, a thing for me, but I, I'm always willing to give it a go. I, I would I would try it again one day. But I appreciate you coming on. It's been it's been nice to chat to you. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. And and like I said, I'll um, what I'll do is I'll put all the you know, links in the description, yeah. uh, so they can check check out what you you're up to <laughs> and stuff like that, and what what your future future plans. Um, and like I said, I you know, wish you luck in your uh, adventures and and your planning for next year and and, and, f and for the rest of this year. It's only just started, really. Yeah. Um. So so thank you very much. Um. And like I said, uh, if everyone wants to sort of give the video a like, give the uh, the channel a subscribe, um, and again, give Kaz a, a subscribe and a like, and and check out what you're doing. And uh, if I don't see you soon, I'll, uh, I'll keep you on the flip side. <laughs>